the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 22nd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court, in its Roe v. Wade decision, declared a nationwide constitutional right to abortion. Everything changed that day. America took a step in the wrong direction. The Constitution, in the, in the mind of many, many scholars, does not give women the right to kill their unwanted children. There's not a conservative on this planet, I hope, a Christian, that believes that to be true. But that was the ruling. Many have said since then that that was a very flimsy ruling, and if ever challenged, Roe v. Wade would probably collapse under the light of truth in regards to the uh, Constitution. That's why the the far left, the Democrats and the far left are so, they scurry around in the darkness of night trying to protect this thing because they know that if, if an honest hearing was given by honest judges or justices, Roe v. Wade could not stand. It doesn't meet the constitutional bar of acceptance. But it was passed, and we've lived with it ever since, and millions of our children have died because of it. Also today, on January 22, 1973, former President Lyndon B. Johnson, he died at his ranch in Texas. He was 64 years old. Today, 1944, during World War II, Allied forces began landing in Italy. Today, 1970, the first regularly scheduled commercial flight of a Boeing 747 began in New York. It ended in London. It flew across the Atlantic in six and a half hours. I remember my first flight on a um, 747. I was headed with a group to the mission field. We were going to build a church. And... um, I remember walking on that plane, first time I'd been on one, and um, I spent many hours on them after that, but that was the first experience. And I remember my thought walking down the aisle, looking, it looked like an auditorium in there. Um, I thought, man, can this thing really fly? And I thought, well, they got it to the airport here, so we were boarding it at uh, in Los Angeles. And I thought, well, they, they got it here, so I'm sure it'll fly, and it did, and they do. They're actually... Great planes, in my opinion. Pretty comfortable to fly on. I've flown all, all over the world, really, on 747s. Pretty comfortable. I know they're outdated now, but great memories. Today, in 1987, Pennsylvania treasurer R. Bud Dwyer, he was convicted of defrauding the state of a lot of money. And he went on television. They had a news conference, and he went on television and he was very, very strong in his defense of himself, and he proclaimed his innocence. He said, I didn't do it. I'm wrongly accused, and so on. 
while he was live on television being interviewed <clears throat> by a reporter, he pulled a gun, a pistol out of his pocket, put the barrel in his mouth, and killed himself on live television. You may remember that because not of his name, but because of what he did. It horrified people all across the country, as you can imagine. Today, 1995, Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy, kind of the the matriarch of the Kennedy group, she died at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. She died at 104 years old. Today, 1998, uh, Ted Kaczynski, he played guilty in Sacramento, California, to being the Unabomber responsible for three deaths and 29 injuries in return for a sentence of life in prison without parole. As I recall, he asked for a, a minister to meet with him at that time, about the time just before or after he had been sentenced. But uh, he asked for James Dobson. He wanted to meet with James Dobson. Dobson met with him and talked to him. They had a long chat. I don't know what was said, although I talked to Dobson about that at one time, and he certainly led him to the Lord, or led him in a prayer, hopefully led him to the Lord. One year ago today, Chinese health authorities urged people in the city of Wuhan, China, to avoid crowds and public gatherings. They were warning them that a new viral illness that they had said the day before was not transmittable between people, apparently. Well, they said today that it had infected hundreds of people and it had caused at least nine deaths. And it could spread further. Health officials in Washington State said they were actively monitoring 16 people who'd come in close contact with a traveler from China. That traveler was the first U.S. resident known to be infected with the virus. Remember Graham Kerr, the galloping gourmet on television? He used to drink wine and he'd get tipsy and get kind of silly on these programs. It was very popular. He and his wife were on there. and they were, It was a cooking show. There's thousands of those on television now, but there weren't that many at the time, I don't think. But he became very famous, very well known. And it was partly because he was such an entertainer as well as a chef, or I guess he was a chef. But anyway, they did a cooking show together. But the thing that kind of defined him was that he would drink wine during the show. He was always sipping on a glass of wine. And by the end of the show, he was starting to feel the effect of the alcohol, or he was acting like he was at least. Well, he has a birthday today. He's 87 years old. But the reason I mention him is because there was a point in his life, and he wrote a book about it, um, and I've heard him give his testimony personally. But he he realized his life was out of control. His drinking was out of control. And he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And he told the story way back when how that the Lord transformed his life. And he went on and had some cookie shows. He never had the financial and uh, media success that he had had before he became a Christian, but he continued on. I hadn't thought of him for a long time, and I saw that today was his birthday, 87 years old today. I hope he's still serving the Lord with all of his heart. I have no reason to think he is not. Boy, we live in kind of undefinable times, don't we? I'm hearing more and more people say, "I'm boy, I'm just depressed. I can't get over the depression. 
the election, the direction the country is going now, and all of this stuff that's happening. I understand. The election, the 73 or 75, I hear different numbers, million people that voted for Trump, who was not elected, um, they often are categorized, perhaps all of us who did, as Trump supporters. Well, I guess you could say that the people that voted for Trump were Trump supporters, but it is often cast as though it was almost cult-like because that's what they want the rest of the communities to believe, the media. But it, it wasn't that, I don't think. I'm not speaking for anybody other than myself. But it seems to me that that this whole movement thing, and I, I'm sure there are exceptions to this, but for the most part, most of us who voted for Trump, and I did, did so because we felt in the beginning that he would take a stand for the things we believe in most strongly in our hearts, spiritual matters. We didn't see him as a spiritual leader, not for a minute. Nobody did that I know. Franklin Graham defined that very well. He, I remember in the first election, he said, man, Franklin Graham, he said, man, we're not, we're not looking to elect a pastor. He said, we're looking to elect a president who will do the things that are the most important to us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. That's exactly how I felt about it. That's exactly how I felt about it this last election. And I think many of you did as well. So it's not the loss of something, some cult-like following, like, oh, our guy. He lost. It, it was about our beliefs. It was beyond that. And the press just can't seem to get a grasp on that, or they don't want to. But I do know there's a, not because of the attachment to the man, but because of the commitment to support someone, in this case Trump, who would go out and use the power of the most powerful office in the world to do the right thing in regards to biblical truth. Regardless of his own life and whatever he was and is and had done and so on. It was either that or a Hillary Clinton. And she had already told us what she was going to do, kind of saying what she was going to do in the name of the Lord, always reminding us that she was an old-fashioned Methodist. She promised more abortion, expansion, not working to eliminate Roe v. Wade and all of this. So when this happened, and there is that element of fraud that hangs over this election, and I've said before, and I've been criticized for saying it, but I do believe there was fraud in this election. I do. Not because Trump lost, I just believe there was fraud because of the evidence that I've seen personally, and I've done a lot of digging on this, more than I even wanted to. And I believe there was fraud. I believe it was probably to a great extent, relatively speaking. I don't know that, obviously, but I believe there was fraud. And I believe that it was handled very cleverly, probably mostly through the machines, but some of it was physical, just trashing, losing, forgetting, creating new ballots, losing old ones that had Trump's name rather than Biden's. I believe there was probably a good deal of that. And I will probably never believe otherwise because I've seen enough 
evidence at the time of the election. And I think many of you would agree with me, although there are those who don't, believe me. But in that context, there's just kind of a cloud of discouragement, particularly as we see our new president, Joe Biden, realize his lifelong dream, 50 years in the making. He now has the job that he always wanted, to be president of the United States. It's not a vision for America. It's a vision for his own personal accomplishment. That is preeminent in his mind. I've watched him speak, and he always comes around from that angle. It's not so much about being president as it is about he himself having achieved the presidency. That's my view, but I think I'm right on that. But in that context, there's a great amount of discouragement in the conservative, particularly the conservative Christian community. I've quoted this scripture before, but I just felt impressed to share it with you again today. You know the scripture. Many of you do. But let me read it to you from the King James, because many of us who are 40 or or a little over, some of us are. (laughs) We've memorized a lot of scriptures over our life if we've been a Christian and Probably most of them we've memorized are from the King James Version. That's why I often use that on this program. I read other versions, but I often use that one because so many have memorized verses from King James Version. Isaiah said this in chapter 55. He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Think about that as you look at, you know, like you can't believe what's happening is happening. David wrote in Psalm 27, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Psalm 33:20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And of course, I think many of us have memorized the verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You say, man, I'm not even going to try to run. If I can just walk and not faint, I'm going to be good. Well, then you're going to be good because God says you can do that. Just wait on the Lord. God isn't through with his purpose and plan yet. It's working. It's right on schedule. And God is in control. He wants us to be involved. And I believe with all my heart, he wants us to be informed. But I will tell you, God is in control. If God isn't in control, then I don't know why we would even want to believe the Bible and be a Christian. Deists and others believe that God does certain acts and then he just walks away from it. You're on your own. We're not that. We're believers that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who came to earth, was conceived by a virgin, lived a life, had a ministry here, was executed on a cross for our sins, and was resurrected from the dead. God is powerful. God is omniscient. God is in control. 
Let's keep that in mind. But he wants us to be informed. You may have heard a commentary that on those of you who listen to ACN, I do commentaries on there every day and they run and you hear them. One was just before we came on the air live this morning on ACN. Those of you listening on ACN heard it. I want to talk a little bit more about that, the 1776 Project. As I said on the commentary, within 60 minutes of being sworn in as President of the United States, Joe Biden had removed the 1776 Commission report from the White House. If you click on 1776 Commission, go to the White House website, White House of the United States of America, go on the website, you click on 1776 Commission, although even that may be have been taken down now. But what you get yesterday was error, <laughs> all capital letters, E-R-R-O-R, page not found. The reason that I think this is worthy of conversation is because of what it was. Why the rush to delete this report ahead of, say, dealing with Russia and China and Iran and all the other global issues that we must we're told that we've got to solve and that President Biden is going to solve them because he knows better than anyone else, certainly better than Trump. He knows these people. He does. He knows them well. In fact, so well that his son has been harvesting money from China and Ukraine and some of these countries. And it's, I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah, he knows them well. But why is he rushing to take down, and he already has, within an hour of becoming president. Why is he doing this? This is a pervasive issue, so pervasive that it's now found its way into the fabric of the Seattle Public Schools. In fact, Seattle Public Schools lead the nation in indoctrinating children in PC racism. And there's a move to do so all across Washington Public Schools and across America. I want to talk to you about that for a few moments today. You should be aware, as a parent, a grandparent, or just as a citizen, it's really sad. It's abrasive, it's disappointing, and the light needs to be turned on. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support. We always are so grateful for you allowing us to be on the radio every day. This month, our income is not where it should be at this point in the month. And we pay our bills on time, and we pay them every month. And we're down a little bit. And so I want to remind you that we're here because of you. You are the sponsor of this program. If you don't like it, then don't support it. But if you do, and if you feel that it's valuable, and many of you do regularly every month, and I thank you, I'm well aware of the names of the people who support this program. It's a growing list, and I thank you. But I'm just telling you, as a part of this ministry, and you are, that we're not where we should be on this 22nd day of the month. So thank you for standing with us. Thank you for remembering that if, if you don't support this ministry, but you get something from it, you feel like it's valuable and it, it's something that should be happening, then join us and step up and write a check and help support what we're doing here. We need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. And it'll come up, whatever I've written that weekday, 
will be the first thing you see. It's an article, a column. And at the top of the page, you'll see the Dome of the Capitol in uh, D.C., and you'll see a little Donate tab. Just click that, and you're in, and it's easy to do. But thank you in advance. We do. I need your help, so thank you so much. I want to talk to you a little bit about Remaking America. This past Monday, the Trump White House released the report of the presidential 1776 commission. The day before President Trump would leave office and President Joe Biden would become the president. So the 1776 commission, the New York Times is calling it a sweeping attack on liberal thought and activism that calls for a a patriotic education. Defends America's founding on the basis of slavery and it likens progressivism to fascism. It does. And it's right. Progressivism is fascism, and more and more people are talking about that now. Deep thinkers. Not only Christians, but others. David Horowitz, for example, he's been talking about that recently. There is the science of fascism coming to the surface. We'll be talking about that as we go forward in the context of biblical faith and of just patriotic citizenship. The Times explains that Trump formed this commission in the first place because he and others feel that American heritage is under assault by revolutionary fanatics and that the nation's schools required a new pro-American curriculum. That's exactly right. He did, they did, we do. And we do need that. The New York Times feels threatened by the 1776 Commission because they were the quote-unquote news organization that birthed the 1619 Project. That's a project that has revised American history to indoctrinate our children to believe that America was not founded in 1776 and the Revolutionary War. This Project 1619, if some you know marginal professor somewhere would have written it, maybe we wouldn't pay attention to it. But no, it was birthed through a, a writer, a journalist, so-called, at the New York Times, but it's gotten worldwide attention now, not only in, in America, but around the world. People that are interested in America being, as Obama liked to say, remade. They have made the case, and as ludicrous as it is, educators, educators are eating it up. It's finding its way into the curriculum of schools already, and this thing just came out last year called the 1619 Project. It revises American history. It is, it is written with the thought of indoctrinating children to believe something other than what they've been taught in school, and particularly by their parents and by religious or conservative community that they may be a part of. They say America wasn't founded in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence, the Revolutionary War, It was founded in 1619 when the first slave ship arrived at Jamestown. That's in Virginia. Apparently, President Joe Biden feels threatened by our actual history as well. Why would he act so quickly? Within 60 minutes of becoming president, he had ripped that thing off of the website or had someone do it. If you're interested in learning more about the country's history, don't bother to go to the White House website. Don't type in 1776 Commission on a search because you'll get error. 404, page not found. It's amazing. President Obama was fond of using that phrase, remaking America, remaking America. He said it all the time. 
at first I thought that's an odd, I mean, I didn't know as much as we all know about him now, but I thought that's an odd phrase to use, remaking America, I mean, restoring America, I get that, you know, but remaking America, that sounds like you're trying to tear it all down and start over from scratch. Well, that's exactly what they want to do. Obama never said that, but he certainly used the phrase all the time. And he certainly acted out that America was a horrible country. He said under, under the ministry of Jeremiah Wright for 20 years, it was never a problem to him that Wright swore against damned America Sunday after Sunday from his pulpit. It was never a problem to the Obamas until it became a political liability when he was running for office. But there are people among us who believe that, who feel that way. Biden is certainly not Obama, but he's trying to usher in Obama's agenda, that's for sure, in just a few days as in his presidency. We've seen that. He's going to give it his best shot. The far-left radical administration that he's assembling around him, though, are certainly capable of ushering in Obama on steroids. They probably are capable of leading from the presidency. I don't think for a moment, myself, I could be wrong, but I don't think Biden will be in that office four years. Something will transpire. I have some ideas. I'm not going to get into that now, but we'll watch. We'll see. I don't necessarily expect harm to come to him. I just think the flow of events will move him out of the way for Kamala Harris and the minions that would have never been elected in America to any, any federal presidential election will be running the country full force. The 1776 report was created by 18 members, highly qualified people. Larry Arne, he's president of Hillsdale College, one of America's best, most conservative colleges. Other members, Dr. Carol Swaim, she was, uh, I think, a vice chancellor or something at Vanderbilt University. A godly woman, but highly intellectual, highly respected. Those kinds of people, journalists, Charlie Kirk and others, they wrote this 1776 report based on history, on fact. But it's gone. It's not acceptable. The 1619 project, it creates a different America. Historical revisionism. It tramples honest scholarship and historical truth. It shames Americans by highlighting only the sins of their ancestors. And it teaches claims of systemic racism that can only be eliminated by more discrimination. It's an ideology that's intended to manipulate opinions more than it is to educate. It's intended to indoctrinate, not educating the minds of our children and adults as well. But I think America's proud history is worth defending. The National Review wrote quite an article on that. I was impressed with it. It said when the commission was initiated, they said America's proud history is worth defending. And it's worth defending through government and politics. And it was intended that this scholarly work would become part of curriculum in America's public government-run schools. The review said the lines of battle are joined around teaching of the New York Times uh, project, Howard Zinn's 1980 screed of People's History of the United States, and other fact-challenged efforts to supplant the story of America. And that's what we are looking at today. Now there is an effort to put this into schools across Washington State. Chris uh, Chris Rufo 
wrote an article about it, and I included his article, a part of it, in the article I wrote today. Please go to faithandfreedom.us and read the entire article. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you Monday.